Jemison, Michelle Obama, Regina Wilson. All three are first. Mae Jemison, the first black woman in outer space. Michelle Obama, the first black first lady of the United States. And then there's Regina Wilson, a true trailblazer that we have the honor of talking with on today. All three matter. After a vicious two-year cycle in which we've spent our days masking up, mourning aloud, and marching down the streets of the cities like Fort Worth, Texas, and Louisville, Kentucky, following the police-triggered murders of black women, we will use the next two podcast episodes to highlight the many ways that black women matter. Imagine that there's a house on fire. My house. Don't want to hurt nobody. Common sense sends you searching for ways to get out. Yet, uncommon valor, intense training, and a sense of duty sends them in. They are firefighters, those first responders, weighed down by nearly 70 pounds of protective gear, who put their lives at risk as you exit they enter. Around this time of year, parents go searching for Halloween costumes for the kids in their lives. Every year, there are little boys eager to pretend to be athletes and firefighters. But how many young girls ask to dress up like firefighters? Our guest today might help make that become a thing of the future. Regina Wilson, a New York City firefighter, will be featured as a part of a special TV documentary called Not Done, Women Remaking America, scheduled to be broadcast at 8 p.m. 7 Central this Tuesday on your local PBS channel. The show focuses on positive strides made by women over the past four years. The documentary also features TV and film stars Shonda Rhimes, Natalie Portman, and Amara Fiera. Our guest today is Regina Wilson. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. Brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, Call A1 Pestmasters. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. me when people in general say women aren't strong enough, men have the most upper body strength, just let me pull you out, save your life, and then you can determine whether or not I did the best job once you're alive because I came in the building to save your life. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Valerie Johnson, and you're listening to Interludes. I am very, uh, I'm honored to have this young woman 
on. And when I say young woman, I mean like she has been uh, literally blazing a trail <laughs> for women firefighters in New York City. Uh, please welcome New York firefighter and songstress extraordinaire, Regina Wilson. How are you, darling? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so happy to be a part of your program and um, able to help out any way I can. You are a true and dear friend, and um, I'm just so happy to be a part of this portion of your life. So thank you. I feel blessed. Oh, thank you. Yes, because I have transitioned into podcasting and mm -hmm. I am I'm thinking, who can I talk to? And then when I ask that question, my goodness, the floodgates open. So there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a testament to who you are. So Oh man, you make me cry. Okay, let me yeah. not let me let, let me not get mushy in the very beginning. I know focus, focus. <laughs> uh, people have described America as a house on fire. Why is it that Black women keep going into a burning house to save democracy? Like, why is that? What special quality do Black women have that causes us to take on difficult tasks? I get that. The burning fire. You, man, I tell you, you dope. You dope. All right. So... <laughs> Um, I, I mean, especially uh, women of color, but women, period. Like, we are the most powerful beings on this earth, and nobody can tell me any different. And I think it's because of who we are and how we have been created as women. Um, we are the people that I feel move this, this, this world forward. And whether it's um, from the front or in the middle, when you're standing beside your mate or whomever it is that's trying to move on and be better, or if you're standing from behind, pushing people forward, we've always had that dynamic aspect about us who bear so much and, and give so much and sometimes just take very little. So we know when it's time to get moving, we know when it's time to work and especially women of color because we, it comes with a lot of hardships. Mm -hmm. So we know when it's time to get things done, shake it off um, and, and keep things moving. So um, I think it's just something that's just built within us. What was the cast, uh, catalyst that led you to want to become a firefighter? Well, it wasn't, I was not the one where it's like, I had people in my family that did it and, and it was something that I desired to do. I never looked at a fire truck and said, oh, wow, that's great. That's, that's a job that I wanted. No, um, I was actually approached and I was recruited and uh, someone came to me and said, you know, we don't have a lot of women here. It's not a lot of people of color in the department. And so I was curious about that. And I was like, well, why? Because everybody loves firefighters, right? Um, they love what they do. They know they sacrifice a lot to save other people. And it's such a job that's, you know, a, a, a respected job. Why is it that people of color and women are not flocking to this job. So um, that was the seed that was planted, but it didn't get watered until I started to meet other firefighters. I started to meet other women. I got mentored by women. I got mentored by men firefighter. And I've never been in a, in a, um, a profession where people 
told me they wanted me. Like who, who can ever say that they went on a job interview and then the people from the job kept trying to train you and help you to get mm-hmm. that job? Nobody. Right. So that was the difference for me that they knew my, my presence was important. And for me to be there, they were going to go out their way to do it. And that's how I learned how to love the job so much. Um, well, speaking about that, what difficulties did you encounter when entering into the firefighting academy as a Black woman? Well, um, when I entered the academy, there were 300 candidates that were there on um, when we first got there. So um, when the 300 of us were in the auditorium, I looked around and I was the only woman there. So, and it was um, seven African-Americans total within the whole class of 300. So um, there were a lot of different challenges. Um, I had to deal with a lot of different um, mannerisms that I guess uh, was connected to masculinity that I couldn't understand, a lot of foul language. Um, There was a a sexual assault on me. Um, There was... um, uh, they tried to um, like um, wean me out. You know, I would have people come in to the academy and target me. Um, I had my ear cut off one time when I was doing a drill. Somebody could cut my ear off so I couldn't breathe. Um, I had to deal with claustrophobia because I've never been in a situation where I was totally encapsulated. So I would be in my bathroom crying. I would second guess myself. I didn't know if I could do it. Didn't know if I could be there. But I I, I had to stand in in that moment and pull from my inner strength and know that I deserve to be there just like all those other people deserve to be there. And it was nothing different. So um, unfortunately, <laughs> um, I graduated, but all 300 didn't graduate. It was only 286 of us. So therefore, anybody that tells you that a woman can't do this job, you need to look at those other 20 or so that couldn't make it because they were all men. So evidently, it was a whole bunch of men that couldn't do it, but I did. And any woman out there that want the profession, if they put their mind to it, they could do it. Right, exactly. And even going through all of that, did you find support from other Black firefighters? Um, yes, because I was uh, a member of the Vulcan Society, which is an African-American um, organization within the FDNY, mm-hmm. uh, which were firefighters. They helped to prepare me for the written exam that we had. And so um, I would attend meetings and I would get uh, mentored through a lot of those uh, people as well as the United Women Firefighters Association. So I had female firefighters that were helping me to train for the physical. So I had a lot of support which made it um, better for me and helped my drive in order to be a firefighter. Right, exactly. And speaking Mm -hmm. of the Vulcan Society, and I'm very happy to to know that I was I was there to witness it. You served (laughs) for three years as the first female president of the Vulcan Society. Uh, And what changes, if any, have you witnessed in the number of black women entering into the fire departments and other areas of public service? Well, I know for me, um, uh, being the becoming the president from the Vocal Society was a full circle moment for me. 
And um, I've always was happy with the opportunity to serve and to give back. But being able to be in the position of running the organization itself was surreal for me. And I actually served for four years, um, not three, because um, I worked for those whole four years. So I don't want to give anything back. <laughs> and I also became the president of the United Women Firefighters Association. And I was a president for that organization for four years, too. So I've been able to give back to those organizations that gave so much. So when I came on the job, I was the first African-American woman to be hired in the FDNY in 15 years. So the original women came on in 82. And so I, I was the first woman hired since the original women that got hired in the early 80s. Um, so um, right now we have 37 African-American women that are on the job right now mm -hmm. from the time of the uh, last class that, that came in. It was uh, five women that, that uh, got graduated from the last class. So we're at 37 and I think our numbers are about 120 now. We finally reached 1% out of the jobs 154 year history, so. I mean, it's horrible, but at least we reach 1%. And, um, you know, we still got a lot of work to do. Regina Wilson is featured in the documentary, Not Done, Women Remaking America, scheduled to air this coming Tuesday on PBS. The show highlights the actions of women of all races over the last four years, from the Time's Up movement to Black Lives Matter. Recently, TV actress and producer Amer Fiera talked about Not Done with Joy Bier on an episode of ABC's The View. Now, so what, what message do you hope viewers will take away from the film? We have uh, collaborated and organized and shown up uh, across barriers. And then there are the personal triumphs of strong women like Regina Wilson. Well, I have a, a cameo in the film and I was just really talking about my experiences with going to the Women's March um, in 2017, I believe. Um, and we were definitely protesting about um, the new administration as well as the rights of women. So um, I was very excited to be asked by makers to be a part of this documentary. And it's gonna be on PBS on the 27th at um, 8 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Central. So I hope everybody have an opportunity to look and see what's going on. It's a really um, powerful statement about the women's movement. Yeah. Now since we all came from the woman, got our names from the woman and our game from a woman. I wonder why we take from our women, why we break power women to hate out. Wow, okay. Well, now it's time to turn it to um, uh, politics and race. It's uh, It's been a hot button topic. Uh, here's a flat, flat line question. How would you rate the state of Black women in America in 2020? I think we as women as a whole, and especially Black women, are finding ourselves a little bit more. We're finding our, our voices and making them a lot louder. I think now what you're seeing is a lot, a lot of more women of color getting into politics, um, becoming small business owners, getting into film, um, getting into producing, uh, getting in more into writing and um, forging those opportunities to be able so that we can be in the room to tell our stories. 
Um, also going into higher positions within civil, civil service. Um, I know the police department have had a lot of um, female firefighters, I mean, female officers that have moved up into ranks. Um, oh, and uh, so you have a lot of civil service that are trying to get more women in it. And so I think dynamically in, during the past few years, we've definitely moved the, the, the needle a lot further, but I think we still have a lot of work to do. Mm. Um, in America, there seems to be two forms of unequal justice, whereas one of the police officers who murdered George Floyd was charged in Floyd's death. I think that just happened recently, but not one of the Kentucky officers were held at fault for Breonna Taylor's murder. Uh, what does that tell us about black women and how they're viewed in our legal system? Um, it's, it's horrible. I mean, it, it, and I would even go as far as talking about missing black women, like you would hear more of white women uh, being placed on TV or have more of an interest of people going out to find them than black women are. So I think we're, we're, we are highly um, disregarded by our, um, you know, ju judicial system, as well as um, a lot of other um, opportunities in, in corporate blue collar, you know, we're still having to fight those fights. But um, just as women as a whole, um, just like, you know, Malcolm X said, you know, Black women are the most disrespected people on earth. You know, we really are, but we're the strongest. And that's why, you know, you, you don't, um, you know, they know our power, they know who we are, they know our strength, and they try to use that against us by telling us we're too loud, you know, we're too aggressive, we, we speak too much, we, we, you know, we're always giving our opinion and we're opinionated. Well, that's our strength. And I think because we are the way we are, um, they try to disregard us. And so the, the judicial system, as well as everything on a whole, they do, but it's, it's hard for them to do because we're too, we're too powerful for that. Amen. All right. Uh, in a recent New York Times article called the, A Battle for, Soul, for the Soul of Black Girls, <laughs> documented how Black girls are targeted more severe forms of discipline than any other group in our schools. Um, you grew up in New York, right? Yes, I grew up in New York and Brooklyn, as well as California. Oh, okay. What was it like growing up, uh, going to school? Uh, did you feel supported or confronted? Um, I felt uh, both. Um, I mm. felt confronted because, you know, it's just um, dealing with going to school and, and dealing with other people's issues of you and who you are and self-identity and stuff like that. And, um, and then I felt supported by friends and family that really wanted you to succeed. So it was a mixture of things, but, you know, I've watched um, other people be mistreated or, you know, not um, told that they were less than who they were. And, you know, you couldn't do this and, no one's ever done that before, so you can't do it. Like I've heard those things and I've heard those things even for me, but you know, those are, those are um, accepted by people who are not taught any better, may not know any better, or may have just these weak uh, thoughts of themselves or haven't been maybe taught to know their worth. 
But, you know, those are those are things that everybody, I think, kind of experiences, but it's harder for people of color. Yeah, definitely. Are you hopeful about the future of black women over the next four years? If so, why or why not? Well, I, it's more than hopeful. I mean, we we doing it now. I just think it's going to get better because the more and I say this too, just as a woman firefighter, right? The more people see that we can do this job and these opportunities are for us and we are successful at it, more there's more of a door or a window or you know, a trap door or whatever that's being opened for us to be able to get in to places that we never thought that we could before. So I am very hopeful. I think we've pushed the envelope um, um, more now, just even even with uh, Black actresses finally standing up saying that these roles are for Black women and you can't put a white face in the role of a Black woman because this is the story of the Black woman. So um, I think we're understanding our power. You're seeing a lot more women in Congress, a lot more women in, in the states and the assembly and getting into grassroots organizations like Black Lives Matter. So we know the power of our voice and I'm just waiting for the next four years. I think it's gonna be an amazing time for, for this country when, uh, when, when Black women step into our rightful place. All right. Regina Wilson, thank you so very much for joining me. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Next time on Interludes, how would you rate the state of Black women in America in 2020? Wow. I, I think I think our Black women, um, we're hurting. I definitely think that we're hurting. Um, I, th I don't think that we have been heard. Um, I think we are, overall, though, we really are stronger than ever. We are some awesome beacons of light, but I don't think that we've always been supported. And I think that, that that's where the hurt comes in. Part two of our series, highlighting how much black women matter on the next Interludes. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble. Produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Original intro and outro music by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. Brought to you by A1 Pestmasters. For all your pest control and exterminating needs, call A1 Pestmasters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. <laughs> <laughs>